The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And we begin with verse 25 today, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend." Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the lawyer responded, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer, our light and our life. Amen. A few years ago, when I was in third grade, I'm a little younger than you all, so third grade was a little more recent for me. But it was a few years ago, at least. Uh, I was in third grade, and it was the spring of that year. I think I was eight, about to turn nine. And that year in school, my elementary school had been really focused on this character education, this idea that in the curriculum they were going to talk as much as possible about being a good citizen and being a good friend to one another and caring for each other and being kind, you know, those, those kinds of things. And so at the end of that year, we were having a school assembly, uh, a, a music program. And I, somehow, through either the luck of the draw or because I was that kid who would stand there and raise my hand and jump, jump, jump and say, pick me, pick me, pick me. I got picked to recite 
part of a line in this program, right? And you all have been around kids who are excited about things, right? I mean, I spent days, probably weeks, trying to memorize this line, and I couldn't tell you what it is anymore, but it was a sentence, just one sentence, you know? And I had to have those words perfect, and I would practice, and I would practice, and I would practice, and then the day of the assembly came, and I was ready to go. We lived about six or eight miles away from the school, so we had to drive down a country road, and I was bouncing off the walls. I could barely contain my excitement. I was reciting this line in the back of the car as we were driving to the school. And about halfway there, there was an older gentleman on the side of the road crouched down next to his car with a tire iron. And it was pretty apparent that he was having trouble getting those lug nuts off. And so my dad slowed down and pulled over and got out of the car and went back and helped him put a spare tire on. And the whole time that we were sitting there waiting for my dad to finish helping this man change his tire, I was livid. I was yelling at my mom, we're going to be late. I'm not going to be able to say my line. This is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. And of course, at that point in my life, um, I had no awareness of the irony, right? We were going to this program to talk about how to be a good citizen, how to take care of our neighbors, how to be a good friend. And here was my dad doing that exact thing, stopping for a stranger to help him. And I couldn't see. I was so focused on that line that I had memorized, that program that we were going to do, that I could not see that that very thing was happening right in front of me, modeled by my dad. And, you know, obviously that story has stuck with me through the years. It was a very important life lesson, something that I've carried with me, and I try to help people as much as I can when I can. Um, and I don't think, uh, it, it, it doesn't take too much imagination to understand how that story connects to the story of the Good Samaritan, right? That's, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but I wanted to share that story because uh, it's just one of those real-life examples of what loving your neighbor could look like. And for the record, I didn't say this last night and people were asking me, we did end up making it with plenty of time to spare. I did get to say my line. I mean, I think we were still one of the first people who actually got there because I was so excited. So uh, there was... I learned a lesson, we'll put it that way. But before we get to talking about the story of the Good Samaritan, I want to talk a little bit about the letter to the Colossians because I think that it gives us a little bit of a framework to think about the Good Samaritan, a little bit of an opportunity to reflect on some of the theology that the writer of the letter is sharing with the people of Colossae, and then I think we can 
kind of move that into the story of the Good Samaritan and understand it maybe a little differently than we have before. So one of the things that strikes me as we're reading that letter to the Colossians, and this is probably a marker of how much of a nerd I am, (laughs) but one of the things that I was noticing as we uh, heard it again this morning as I prepared this week was the way that verb tense is used in that part of the letter. Specifically, the verb tense that comes with what the actions of the people of Colossae are and the verb tense of what the actions of God are. Paul or Timothy or whoever's writing in their name is talking about all the good things that the Colossians are doing, right? You understand the gospel. This is the way that it's been preached to you. We're so glad to hear that you're spreading the word. It's so good that you are coming together as the people of Christ. All of that is kind of the the present tense, right? This is what you're doing now. This is the way that you are responding to the word of God in your midst, And then when the writer talks about God's action, it's in the past tense. The past pluperfect, if you're looking for a verb tense. It's past action that has been completed. Not God is doing this, or God started doing this and the completion is coming, God has done this. God has redeemed you through the actions of Christ. God has shown you God's love for you and for all people. God has brought you into the kingdom. Right? One of the lines that struck me really, really close this week was that idea of hope. Because what the writer says is that your hope is in heaven. And how many of us, when we think about hope being in heaven, think about it as something off in the distance? Something, you know, we're going to live the life that we live the best of our abilities, we're going to believe in Christ, we're going to be good people, and then at the end of our lives we'll be rewarded with eternal life with God, right? That's how a lot of us think of heaven. But what the writer of Colossians says is that you have already been pulled into the kingdom. That hope of heaven is with you now. That's a really different way to think about it than what we usually would. And it fits perfectly with Pauline baptismal theology, right? Paul, in the letter to the Romans, in the letters to the Corinthians, In most of his writings, when he talks about baptism, he talks about baptism as death and resurrection with Christ. If we are baptized into a death like his, we are also baptized into a resurrection like his. So we have already died to this world, to our sinful ways, to the old Adam. And we, in our baptisms, have been resurrected with Christ into 
the new kingdom that is already here in our midst. And then, when we think about God's action, our response, the way that we do ministry in this world, we're given an amazing example of what that looks like with this story of the Good Samaritan. A lot of people through the years have bandied about why the Levite and why the priest didn't respond. They've given different reasons with the Jewish purity code. They've given different uh, ideas of what might have been going through their head. Even if you saw on the screen before worship, I really liked this quote and I hadn't seen it before. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said basically, the priest and the Levite were thinking about what would happen to them if they helped this man. Um, but the Samaritan was thinking about what would happen to this man if he didn't help, right? That's a different way of thinking about helping your neighbor. So for whatever reason, the priest and the Levite did not help this man. But the Samaritan did. And because of that, I think we can look at the Samaritan as someone who was already living in the kingdom of God. Somebody who already knew God's love for him. And that's pretty incredible because the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't agree with each other. They were kind of bad blood family relation. They, they had similar beginnings, but they split off in different ways. And for a group of people of the Jewish faith to hear Jesus talk about a Samaritan who did the right thing when the priest and the Levite did the wrong thing, that would have been kind of jarring and, and very offensive. But the Samaritan in this example is the person who is already living in the kingdom, who already understands the love that God has shown him and is responding to that love by caring for his neighbor. And that's obvious. It's very apparent. I mean, even in the story, the lawyer gets the point that Jesus is making. And then at the end, Jesus says, go and do likewise. And that's what I want to say to you today. Go and do likewise. Because you have felt the love of God through Christ. There's a lot of reasons to come to church, but one of them is knowing that you're part of the beloved community. That it's a reminder each week that the kingdom is here and that you do have hope. And let me tell you what, in the world that we live in today, we can't hear that message enough to hear that we're loved, to hear that we're part of God's kingdom, that we are the body of Christ to this world. And as people who know this love, like the people of Colossae, like the Good Samaritan, we are called to live in a specific way. 
So as you hear God's love for you today, as you live in hope for the kingdom that is already here and is to come, as you are part of the body of Christ, go and do likewise. Amen.